Welcome back to Co-Pilots. I'm your co-pilot, Andy. And I'm your co-co-pilot, Cam. And this is the show on which we launch the pilot of a new podcast concept every episode. And this is our, our 10th episode, Co-Pilots X. And we are bringing you, in, in honour of not only being the new year and our episode 10, but a, a top 10 episode Step aside, uh, watch Mojo, in comes Watch Jojo, <laughs> because that's what we did this year. So it's, it's... <laughs> I think that's the most research we did for any episode <laughs> that we actually recorded, was yeah. mm, multiple episodes of anime, how many will we watch? Three, ten episodes <laughs> later, at least we committed to the bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, like any other content creators that run out of ideas and need something last mm. minute, we've done the top 10, much like a true YouTuber or a true, a true mm. podcaster. Um, so, from what I remember uh, in your uh, episode brief, i.e. the quick message on Messenger, mm. uh, we'll go over you know, a top 10, five each of our highlights uh, from this year. Uh, probably uniquely to us, in the realms of nerddom and geekdom, yeah? Yeah, this will get fairly fairly personal to us, I think. Uh, yeah, we've been rather indecisive. Should we go top 10 movies, top 10 games, just top 10 anything? So long as it has some connection to 2018, really. Top 10 enjoyment, I think, kind of is the is the key here. Like, Well, at least it has been for my list. Like, Because mm. when, you, when you messaged me and you're like, oh yeah, man, like... What what are you into? Like what what's going to be on your list? All I could just think about were the things that really that I really reveled in. Um, mm. Admittedly, uh, you could probably call mine like top ten of the latter half of twenty eighteen <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> that's where my memory is. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but anyway, so do you want to do you want to take the lead on this one and tell me tell me your shall we call it number ten then on the on yeah the... our our collective number ten or uh, my number five. And this, for me, is going to be... Doesn't quite fit in the the enjoyment category. And very, very personal to me. Not a media one to start off with. But uh, I graduated. Uh, I I graduated from uh, university with my my law degree. Which uh, feels amazing. You know, it's a a wonderful accomplishment. And it's great to have it done. Uh, You know, no more more classes. uh, No more teachers. Uh... I was, I was trying to quote schools out for summer, but I've already messed that up. <laughs> but don't interpret that, dear listener, as more podcast regularity. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a that's a really big personal milestone, mm. my man. Like, well done, and hopefully, like somebody out there will comment as well because it's it's well deserved the recognition. <laughs> but um, mm. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what you do. With that now, because uh, we had that that lovely podcast. Uh, what was mm. it? Episode two with the uh, episode three. I episode think was three. case by case with the uh, yeah, and definitely looking forward to to bringing more of those. Maybe even from personal experience. Yeah. So rather selfishly of me, <laughs> I want you to crack on with it for the content. Yeah, uh, and breaching uh, lawyer client confidentiality. For the content. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's an appropriation of do it for mm. the vine. Do it for the gram. Mm. And this one's kind of an odd one for the list because like graduation day, I wouldn't even say was like a top five day of the year. You know, I woke up much earlier than I normally would. I didn't have any breakfast. I, I had to drive into town, which was very busy because of the graduation. You know, busy car park, spent like half an hour total being in and out of the car park itself. And, you know, I had to sit there for, for two hours listening to people who aren't me be up on stage and then, uh, you know, one minute to, to walk across the stage and smile for a photo and grab the thing. Uh, so really, the, the whole day was more of, like, my parents' benefit. But as a thing, even though it's not necessarily a moment or a point of enjoyment, just that the whole thing is my number five. It's less celebrating a day where you did a thing and more celebrating no longer having to yeah. do a thing. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I mean, now I, I wish I had thought of things for my personal life, but you know, maybe I can do. Uh, if something comes up later on, that makes me sound like I lead a really bleak existence. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those big moments, isn't it? It's oh, like 100%. one of those like graduate uh, wedding, one of those kind of things, like big moments that there are only like two or three of. Mm. So I think it's 
uh, rare that you have a year where one of those things comes up. But I've only put it at number five. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll go um, to something that was almost as important as graduation to you then. And for me, that was the Spider-Man PS4 game. (laughs) (laughs) Because they... And I made this joke to you off air when we were getting set up in, in that it's very much Year of the Spider and like mm. on my list are gonna, there's another Spider-Man related thing. But that PlayStation game, man, man, mm. man, it, it, it was one of, these, one of these things where I was avoiding spoilers um, but trying not to get my hopes up because every time we're met with something from the childhood of comics, you know, the things that... I was, uh, you know, deeply immersed in when I was, you know, a young Andy. I, I, I overhype it, and I am inclined to be disappointed because of that. So, eased off, chilled out, didn't watch too much of it. Bought the game, and for anybody that hasn't played the Spider-Man PlayStation Four game, it is possibly one of the most beautifully cinematic openings to any game that I've ever experienced, and. It's just everything. It is just fucking everything for PlayStation 4 this year. Yes, God of War was amazing, but this this Spider-Man game, now with the DLC, it's getting a touch repetitive. But just to seamlessly swing as Spider-Man, mm. it's the best way it's ever been done. And it's just been hours and hours of joy for me. Mm. Uh, if I may say, I could have played this game. I could have bought it for you or bought it or whatever. I was busy with that law degree. Look, we're already crossing over. <laughs> Uh, and specifically chose not to to buy or play this because I knew it had the the danger and the possibility of taking up a lot of my my time and attention. Mm. But I have played about fifteen minutes of it, mm. just uh, chucked into the middle of the city, and like the number of suits and like deep cuts into Spider Man lore that are just in there. Just the the joy of swinging around is incredibly fun. Uh, I just went to the the tallest building. And I looked down and it happened to be the Avengers Tower, mm. mo- like modeled exactly the same as in the movies. And the whole skyline is really cool. And Spider-Man's uh, butt is really great still, which is <laughs> uh, when you're looking at it for, for tens of hours, you know, that's what you really, what you really need. So uh, even the little I've played of this was really incredible. Mm, mm, mm. And in terms of the narrative of the game as well. The the fact that it is drawing from really well established source material, but I'm I'm sure I've said this to you before, Cam. But taking from that source material and still managing to create something that is to a degree original, you know, putting Miles Morales, um, which I'm, I'm sure you, I know for a fact you're familiar yeah. with the character. Um, based upon something that's on my list a little bit later on, but putting Mars Morales on the same Earth, I'm not sure if it's Earth 616 or what Earth it is, but putting Mars Morales on the same Earth as Peter Parker, um, I'd love it if they brought in Spider-Gwen, Gwen Stacy. It'd oh, just be absolutely yeah. gorgeous. But seeing them interact, seeing Mars Morales get his powers in the presence of Peter Parker and them going on that journey, it's something we haven't really quite seen before. Mm. And it's just like, it's everything that reading a Miles Morales comic you started to imagine. So they they did well. They did very well indeed. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next item, my man? Uh, so before we started, sure. you asked if I needed the computer to, to jog my memory for anything, and I said no, and you said, oh, look at Mr. I can remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> and here he is, getting his phone out, doing a quick search. I can't remember my number four, but I can remember my number three. Mm. And they're fairly arbitrarily ordered, so I'm going to just write my list down in a sex during your next portion, so I can try and remember what the, the fifth thing in the middle of my list is. But my number four is kind of another... Uh, personal note and kind of a cheat so um story time gather around children as a kid i loved uh reading and stories and, and novels and i always have and you know during like ms readathon and that kind of thing in primary school i'd get through like two fantastic five books in a day uh and then as things got busy with college and the law degree you know i got very busy kind of I dropped off the whole books thing for uh, for a good while 2017 i think early 2017 i bought um Mort by Terry Pratchett, uh, because it's uh, basically a, a fantasy comedy about uh, the personification of, of death, uh, getting a print, an apprentice and getting up to shenanigans, which sounded pretty good. Huh. 
This sounds fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I picked it up and I really enjoyed the start. It was irreverent and, and strange and very funny and very British as well, which is uh, British humor is, you know, that's my shit. And it took me basically till the end of 2017 to read that book, despite the fact I enjoyed it so much. And it's not a long thing either, like 200, 300 pages. Uh, but near the end of 2017, uh, I had a couple of friends telling me about a series of fancy novels called The Stormlight Archives by uh, Brandon Sanderson, uh, who's also written the, uh, the Mistborn novels you might have heard of. And I had a, a girl I knew who was a, sort of a friend of mine, uh, who was also a, a fan of these books. And so I borrowed the first one of these, called The Way of Kings, uh, from her. So we would have something to talk about. <laughs> Because I am a smooth operator. <laughs> and I, I started reading it. I wanted to get through it just so I could, you know, not have it borrowed for too long. And I could have actually borrowed this from another friend who I'm much closer to. But, you know, the clever lad I am, you know. <laughs> Could've worked with my, with my schemes and plots. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to get through this. So I, I made myself sit down for like an hour a night to, to get through it. And it wasn't far in where I was reading an hour or two each night not to, to get through it. But because I wanted to that read it, because I was, enjoyment. I was just that gripped by this, by this story, and I got through it, uh, you know, in like a week. And this is like a, a 600-page uh, fantasy tome, and it was just a, a really cool uh, novel, very clever, like magic systems and stuff like that. And I found that in everything uh, that Brandon Sanderson has written. Because I've now read almost everything that, that uh, Brandon Sanderson has written. I, I got through that book. And before I had finished it, I had uh, shipped, uh, ordered uh, part two to myself. Uh, I've now read all three of the Stormlight Archives books, which is like 3,000 pages total, as well as a lot of other stuff by that author, like 12 of the Discworld novels by Terry Pratchett. I've kind of been alternating those. Uh, uh, the uh, Dirk Gently stuff by Douglas Adams, Burr by Gore Vidal, uh, Colonel Chris Hadfield is a Canadian astronaut who I'm quite fond of. He's got an autobiography. So I, I just got into that habit of reading an hour or two each night in bed instead of, you know, blasting my retinas with light. And that's been a big part of my year. You know, I've read maybe 50, 60 books this year between novels, uh, Western comics, manga and stuff. So literally nothing I've read has come out in 2018. So it's, <laughs> I'm reaching with this one. Uh, but just uh, a big part of my life has been this, so uh, it's my list and I can do what I want. <laughs> so when's the uh, co-pilots book club starting? <laughs> that is uh, an episode I had in mind uh, for an idea. Is uh, the, pod- the podcast is called FavSwap, where we like watch each other's favourite movie or, or what have you. Uh, so that the podcast would be you read my favourite book and I read yours. And then we, we get back to each other and, and discuss. So oh, maybe with this there dys- you go. with this dyslexic boy we can do maybe the first chapter and go from there. So uh, we'll start reading now, and that'll be our, our end of year podcast <laughs> for twenty nineteen. With with my reading age, yeah, that's 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 clever. We, we'll do mm. that. <laughs> but no, man, it sounds like you've made some really solid like. I, I dare say it, healthy habits. <laughs> yeah, and, and not out of a choice to be healthy. It's just no. Books are really good. Uh, there are probably a lot of people... Well, there probably aren't a lot of people listening full stop. But <laughs> percentage-wise, a lot of people listening who were into books a lot as, as a kid and then kind of fell off that. And I'll just say, give books a chance. That's the message, kids. You know? Books are good. <laughs> who would have thought? Books are good. <laughs> Moving on to your number four, <laughs> our, our co-pilot's number eight. Oh, racy tasty. Oh, oh, that's that's actually something that's not on the list. It just popped into my head as a number eight. You know, arbitrarily, actually, I need to put Cassidy Butterbeard further down on the list, I think. So for now, <laughs> that's completely changed my list of that voice coming out. <laughs> oh, um, 2018, Year of the Spider, Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yes. Into the... Fucking Spider-Verse. Mm. I was about to ask you if I could swear on this podcast. This is our podcast, <laughs> so I can swear on it. I've been across too many different forms of media this year. So, 
Into the Spider-Verse, for those of you that haven't seen it, yes, I'm going to harp on about something else that is Spider-Man-y, but uh, this focusing primarily on the Miles Morales character. So, out of all of the, uh, out of all of the Earths in the Marvel uh, universe, I was about to say Marvel Cinematic Universe, just as like a force of habit, not cinematic. So there's, it was actually um, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man comics that introduced, I think I told you this, Cam, introduced the multiverse into the Marvel comics uh, as a whole, which is pretty freaking cool to see them actually mm. playing with that in the popular sphere now. So different Earth, can't remember which one, uh, which Miles Morales' Earth. Spoilers, spoiler alert, Peter Parker... Uh, dies pretty quickly in the story, uh, leaving that Earth without a Spider-Man. A different spider from the Oscorp experiments goes by its Miles Morales. That spider has a couple of different eccentricities. It can turn invisible and it can um, give a small electric charge to its venom, which is pretty sweet. Um, and Miles Morales gets those abilities. In At least, um, specifically, he gets them in the multiverse movie. So it was really lovely to see... Finally, a piece of popular, you know, c- cinematic animation focusing on the Miles Morales character, and it was just beautifully timed along mm. with the along with the PS4 game having Miles Morales in it. I still maintain I would have absolutely adored to have seen Childish Gambino do oh. a Miles Morales movie oh. a few years when he was campaigning for it. A mm. few years ago, I should say, when he was campaigning for it. Because um, he did the voice for uh, the Miles Morales character in... Was it Ultimate Spider-Man? Haha, <laughs> I don't know. Haha, <laughs> I have all the answers. It was an animated series, I think 2012, um, and Childish Gambino did Miles Morales in that, did the voice. Yeah. And he wanted to do live action. Now, of course, he had his cameo... As um, as the criminal in um, this in the Tom Holland Spider Man movie, which was mm. a, a lovely nod because then he uh, mentions, oh, I've got a nephew in this neighborhood, which harkens to because he was Prowler, yeah. which harkens to the Miles Morales character. But y- you guys can tell that I'm on a freaking Spider Man kick this year. <laughs> but it's just because they're taking from source material that they haven't usually, you know, they've branched out and beyond the standard Peter Parker stuff. And it just brought me joy. You know, Cam and I went and saw uh, Into Mm. the Spider-Verse together and I was just squeeing. That's the only word I can use is just squee. It was Mm. a freaking delight. But the way they incorporated uh, some of the different visual styles, because of course Into the Spider-Verse has Spider-Men from different comics, as I'm sure you can imagine. But when they come in, when they do their introductory stories or when they pop back to their universe, the movie shifts subtly to the visual style of their origin comic. And to see all of these nods, to see all of these more esoteric titles being incorporated into the popular sphere is is not only fantastic to see, but it heartens me to know that, uh, that the popular sphere is now allowing... Um, is now allowing people to get into these really beautifully told and written and animated comics like Spider-Gwen, the the work in Spider-Gwen, the art in it. So many people, so many Spider-Man fans that haven't branched out hadn't seen that work and now they will and it's a freaking work of art and it just, it brings me joy. Sorry, are we done with the, uh, when you start with Spider-Man I just kind of tune out. Um... <laughs> So that was our uh, number eight collectively. Uh, let's move on. No, uh, I, uh, I heavily, heavily enjoyed the, uh, the Spider-Verse movie. I'm not uh, a big Spider fan. I like the character. I think Tom Holland is very attractive. Uh, I really love the, the Sam Raimi movies in a very silly Sam Raimi way. Uh, I think the world is cool. The characters are cool. Uh, but I don't know much about the deep cuts outside of the... The, the cinematic stuff we've seen, I haven't read any of the comics. I've only ancillary heard of Miles Morales before, before but didn't know anything about him. Uh, and going into uh, this movie, I was a huge fan. I don't really have a coherent rating system, but personally I would give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, easily, hands down, my number one movie of the year. If Andy hadn't put it on the list, it would be on my list. Mm. And what I really loved, as another perspective, is... This is a movie about the Spider-Man multiverse, pulling in, like, five different Spider-Men. You know, Spider-Gwen, Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Ham, all these deep cuts into the lore. And I was worried that it would be very much for Spider-Man fans, very deep and difficult to follow, because it's multiverse stuff in a a single contained movie. But 
it really made sense as a, a coherent story and plot start to finish, including uh, our origin for, for Miles Morales and the introduction and development of that character, which was beautifully done. And as a self-contained work, it's just uh, an incredibly uh, told story, uh, as well as visually beautiful. Uh, it's a style of animation I would never have thought would make it to cinemas. Uh, I first saw this, I thought it would be a, a straight-to-DVD thing, like the... Uh, a lot of the Batman stuff that's, that's gone straight to DVD and Netflix and stuff. Uh, and seeing this kind of animation in cinemas was gorgeous. And some of the, the fight scenes and the stylistic stuff with uh, and Fisk. Uh, I've said this before, but he looks like uh, a very stylized like character from a, a silent French cartoon. That would be very mm. off-putting. And like the man is basically a black square with a circle where the face should be. And it just works and the the mix of different styles and things so it's a, an incredible looking and sounding movie with a great plot for for newcomers and big spider fans so it's an incredibly well done thing and just one final nod to the movie would be even though i'm personally very into the deep cuts i had no idea about um oh i've got to remember her name now was it penny parker penny parker yeah she was Fantastic, and I thought that that was actually um, something that they had just thrown into the movie to get the younger mm. audiences in a bit of a kawaii Japanese-based, almost anime-esque in her yeah. in her animation um, with the mech and the psychic link to the spider in the mech. But no, <laughs> yeah. it's a thing, and her mech mm. in the comics looks like um, uh, Ava, looks like um, like a Neon Genesis. Mech almost, and it was really nice for me, even though I'm into the deep cuts, to to still learn, to still find out about something in the Spider Verse through this movie that I had no idea about. And that's our number. That was number eight. Moving on from yeah. spiders, no more spiders this year for me, anyway. Cam, number uh, seven. Number seven, and my number three. I still can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to hit pause and uh, we'll come No, 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 keep going. It's I, I can keep moving the list up. It's fairly arbitrarily chosen except for number one anyway. So <laughs> my number whatever is uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Ah. You can have the dude from Castlevania fight Mario and three different links. On on the tower from Splatoon or the the tower from Breath of the Wild, one of those. The amount of content in this game, uh, even if the gameplay was garbage, uh, is insane. More than seventy characters, more than a hundred maps, more than a thousand songs with like tens and tens and tens of hours of music. I think it's something like a hundred hours of music in this game, and the the references to stuff, and clearly the amount of love for these characters and everything going in is incredible. Uh, and it's really cool that they've managed to get not only every cut character back, but every character back that's ever been in Smash, including uh, Cloud from Final Fantasy, uh, Snake from Metal Gear. Uh, when I played Brawl, I wasn't a Metal Gear fan, so I didn't care, but now he's my, my absolute favourite. I love me some Metal Gear. And Metal Gear is my number one for the year, even though it's not from 2018, I just... Metal Gear's that good. <laughs> so the amount of content in Smash is incredible. And it's it's my all-time favorite franchise. I played a ton of the the original with my brother on N64. I haven't played Melee because I'm a heathen. A Brawl on Wii I had a lot of fun with. Uh, the 3DS one and the Wii U one I've played a, a ton of. So as a game, it's just uh, you know absolutely incredible. And like the amount of content as well that they've got in there, in the, the single-player stuff, and the... The kind of world of light they have with the, the spirit mode and all of that is... There's a lot there even by yourself. And the, the gameplay and the fighting itself feels great. It's the best it's ever been. Uh, and I think newcomers can pick it up really easily. I've played it with people who haven't played before and they've had a lot of fun. Whereas something like... Well, basically any other fighting game, right? Uh, Tekken or, or Street Fighter, even uh, Injustice... You need to pause every five seconds to check your moves. Uh, if you're playing against someone who's slightly better than you... Uh, they will kick your ass. Whereas in Smash, yes, I will win against every match with every friend I play with. <laughs> uh, but they'll they'll get a kill on me, you know. And they will they'll have fun doing it. And they'll they'll at least enjoy being the characters. And the the fights are still fun, even though you 
already know the outcome. So it's just uh, an incredible amount of fun, and one thing I love that this game did, that some people didn't love or were kind of so-so on, is you start with the original eight characters from the original Smash game, and that's it. Huh. And you have to unlock the rest. Fantastic. Which is so video games, and it's such a... It feels like the good old days. Do you do it through a degree of story development, though? Or is it just stage by stage by stage? See, the, the great thing about the unlocks in the game is that there are a lot of different ways you can do it. Okay. If you... After the first fight with a friend, it'll come up saying, a challenger is approaching, and and whoever won the, the match will go on to fight this character. And oh, cool. if you beat them, you unlock them, uh, which is really cool. And it's just like the original, where you see that silhouette of a new character. And because there are... 60 plus to unlock it's really cool that moment of who's it gonna be mm. uh, and it, it's really really cool when your favourite shows up and there's this this tenseness among, amongst everyone in the room is it gonna be them is it gonna be them yeah. uh, and as, a, as you have to fight them and the, the fight feels like the highest stakes in, in any fighting game because if you lose <laughs> you don't get Captain Falcon oh really uh, uh, and they've got a good system of eventually you can go and uh, rematch them through the menu so it's not too bad and the the rate at which you unlock them is really great you know you get one after the first fight and then people aren't really sure how it works if it's minutes played some people think it's the amount of distance characters run in the game so if over a number of matches you've run like a thousand meters then the next one shows up huh. people aren't really sure and you can scum it and just like keep restarting the game to get one every match if you really want. Uh, but you can also get it through the uh, the kind of the arcade mode, the classic mode, yeah. where you you choose like Mario, and there are six fights, and then a bonus, and then a boss, uh, and then after every round of classic, you get a new character, which is pretty good. So if you're playing single player, you know you're all set. You're never going to have to play anyone twice in a row. Uh, and and while we're on the the classic mode, the arcade mode. Uh, it's really cool. It's got that classic thing of six fights, then a bonus, and then a boss. But it's very themed instead of being the same six fights. So um, if you play as Wolf from Star Fox, uh, then your six fights are characters who, like Wolf in Brawl, have been cut out of the game and brought back. So uh, Snake was gone and now he's back. The Ice Climbers were gone, uh, they're back. So the the theme for his classic mode is, is that. And then uh, for Luigi, it's like... Second bananas, you know, uh, stuff like that, which is uh, really cool. And uh, some some of it they get really creative. Like if you play as Ken from Street Fighter, uh, every match is a health battle instead of a uh, knock the opponent off the stage. Uh, and it's all on on flat maps instead of kind of intricate ones with jumping and stuff. So fitting. So it's very it's very Street Fighter. Yeah. And the first match is against I think um, Zero Suit Samus, who is a girl in a blue outfit. With the Chun Li music playing from Street Fighter, ah! <laughs> so a lot of uh, deep cuts like that, uh, and there's also the the big main kind of campaign mode uh, where it's kind of a map where you you walk around and you'll uh, pick up new fighters just like on the map there as well. So there's three ways to get new fighters, and you'll get them pretty quick. Like I said, you're probably never going to have to play as anyone twice before you get everyone. But I think it's just such a cool thing to mm. to unlock new characters. And like I could talk about Smash for an hour, but that's just one detail. That I think is really cool. As somebody that's never actually played Smash, don't stab me. But as somebody that's never actually played Smash, it sounds almost refreshing that they've given you an achievement-based unlock system instead of just, oh, you're playing the game, oh, you've played this many matches, oh, here you go, you just get this character now. Because I feel like Tekken started to get that way. Mm. Um, A lot of other games, it's just achievements for achievements' sake. But you have to do the thing if you want to unlock more characters, which I really quite like. And yes, you can revisit it later, but it feels Mm. like there are stakes again. And you've actually made me want to play this now. Yeah. (laughs) Hooray! And hopefully, uh, everyone listening, uh, if you haven't played a a Smash game before, it's a really, really fun format of like a a platform fighter is a a term I've heard before where you've got a lot of jumps and movement abilities as well as trying to to kill your opponent. Uh, And if you've played Smash before, you will love this one. And one, one thing I will tack on to the end of that is I'm a really avid Monster Hunter world player. Oh, yeah. I have put more... And yes, I was going on about... Spider-Man earlier, but in terms of just sheer hours, I've put more hours into Monster Hunter mm. World than any other game this year. So to see that like um, some trailers for Smash Ultimate has a Rathalos, which, mm. you know, for those of you that haven't played it, is just a giant dragon you get. Now, this is a PlayStation 4 game 
and you have to hunt these mm. dragons, etc. And just like, again, random head nod, random reference, Rathalos in the middle of Smash. Fantastic. So, if we're keeping track, uh, this should be number five, and a quick one from me. Uh, is One Punch Man, uh, the season two for One Punch Man, the anime. It is a delightful anime, season mm. one, and you've read the manga. Um, it's just, it's, it's very, very well done. They've established an overpowered character, but still made him relatable. Mm. It's it's fantastic. And I've been itching and itching and itching and itching for... Um, for season two to come out and it's been delayed and delayed. Now the running joke in the anime community is that the production house uh, Madhouse doesn't know how to make a season two. That's that's the running joke. Almost every anime that has been done in Madhouse has never gotten a season two. So much to my pleasant surprise, they the delays. Uh, it turns out that they have changed production houses uh, for One Punch Man, but they've kept a lot of the uh, original cast. So they've kept the original character designer. They've kept the original um, uh, director for the music and the music in One oh, Punch yeah. Man. Oh, it's, it is... one like, The music in One Punch Man and I feel like I don't have license to talk about this anymore <laughs> after the last episode, but One Punch Man and My Hero Academia, the music in these shows is astounding. <laughs> so I'm really happy that they've kept that. But now the... Um, now the animation supervisor at the new studio is actually the same animation supervisor from the Naruto series. Now say what you will about the writing in that, the animation in Naruto is really on point, the fight scenes are astounding, and if you know anything about One Punch Man, that kind of is the crux of the show. A lot of the uh, fight scenes have been fantastic, and I feel like they're only going to increase from here. So as a fanboy, really happy to you know deal with the delay, for for what should be a really superior uh, One Punch Man animation. For what should be a really superior One Punch Man animation for 2019. So why is it on the list? We got the news this year, and it's also my podcast, and I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> the, the news that we're getting more One Punch Man is, is better for us than my graduation. <laughs> <laughs> it's better for us than your mm. graduation occurring... But maybe just as good for you as your uni stopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. I don't have much expertise with anime, but One Punch Man Season 1 uh, is a fantastic comedy. And when the action comes out, it's, it's really something. And as an animation, the music is great. Uh, I've read uh, most of what will comprise Season 2 coming from... Uh, the manga, because at the time that I started reading it, we didn't know if we'd be getting more. Uh, and that's really enjoyable, uh, very comedic, uh, very cool tone and stuff to it. And so I'm really looking forward to that with all the animation and the music. And I think it'll be something very special. Everybody, this is your Coco Pilot Cam here, just for a bit of a mid-episode break. So don't go anywhere. We're just having a bit of a, a chill here in the the cockpit or the pilot's lounge or some clever aviation name. This isn't an ad read. Just a a chill time to get everybody caught up on what's going on with Copilot. See, this episode was recorded on the 31st of December 2018, and I've just been putting off editing it for three months because I've been very busy, and also I knew it would be a bit of a busy edit because I talked about Dragon Ball Z way too much in this one, in several places, and knew I'd have to cut that and cut around it while still keeping the show sounding good, which just sounded like a lot of work, honestly. But... I've gotten through it, and here we are. So I just want to get you updated on what's going on with Copilots. We finished year one, but there's more coming fairly soon with more Flying Solo for year two, which we're very excited about. We're very happy with how that's going so far. I'd also like to say, if you'd like to support us, if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends about it. Share it and like it on whatever platform you're listening on. It would really mean a lot to us. And if you'd like to follow us on the social media, you can find us at Copilot's Cast on Facebook 
or Twitter. You can follow me personally on Twitter, at CoolCatCammy, and I do some personal stuff more inconsistently than we do this even. And you can follow Andy on Instagram at the underscore Andy underscore Bennett, and he's got some good uh, personal creative stuff that he does as well, so we go and give that a look and a listen. And finally, it's been three months, but I've remembered what my number four was supposed to be, which I didn't remember at any point in the show, and that is that I realized that I am bisexual, a big part of a person's life, and I have just totally forgotten it. So there you go. Thank you so much, and enjoy the rest of the show. Shall we jump into what we think is number four? Uh, my number two, I think this is what I was thinking of. I'm not sure. <laughs> At some point, I will remember what I was actually thinking of. Or maybe I'd only actually thought of four because I hadn't numbered them in my head. But my number two slash what should have been my number four, probably whatever. Let's not get hung up on that. <laughs> one of mine that isn't number one is uh, anime. Uh, my experience with anime before this year was One Punch Man and Dragon Ball Z and, you know, Pokemon uh, when I was younger. Uh, and you have introduced me to... Uh, there, there are a hundred shows you've told me to watch. And we finally watched uh, Jojo. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. We watched the, the first four or so episodes of. I, you know, I finished off that season myself because it was very enjoyable and, and very strange. Uh, and I really quite enjoy uh, comedy and the eccentricities of especially uh, English words being yelled in, in Japanese uh, in anime. Uh, you introduced me to My Hero Academia, which we talked about a fair bit uh, last uh, episode. But uh, a season three of that uh, came out this year and that was, you know, the whole show was incredible. I, I binged the whole thing until I was actually caught up and that didn't take long at all. Uh, and that was... a uh, just an incredible show definitely uh worth watching uh i've watched a bit of the uh, the english dub and it's uh, very good quality so if you're someone who doesn't have the the time to sit down and focus on something with subtitles then uh even the english is good but the, the voice work in both is is really incredible and if i may um I, I said in the last episode that i have always been strictly subs not dubs however after finding out that the the man who voices freaking Vegeta does uh, mm. All Might's voice, I went and watched some clips, and it is perfect. Mm. That voice is so on point. So I think this is one occasion where you know if people can't be bothered uh, reading subtitles, strange emphasis on subtitles. Subtitles. <laughs> if people can't be bothered reading subtitles then for sure just go watch the dub it mm. is really really on point yeah uh, i also watched uh yuri on ice which is just a a beautiful wonderfully gay show uh that was uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i've broken andy <laughs> if that's staying in I uh, wasn't expecting him to uh, call it wonderfully gay, which it is, but I had a mouthful of coffee, swallowed it, and you know when things come out of your nose, it kind of went halfway up, dripped back down into my mouth, and then leaked out, Mm. and I feel violated by my own beverage. Yeah, uh, people have called Yuri on Ice uh, a sports anime, and on the surface it is, because it's about uh, this uh, Japanese kid, Yuri, uh, competing in uh, ice skating, and working his way up and everything, but really it's uh, a romance uh, through and through between uh, the relationship between uh, Yuri and his coach Victor, which is never explicitly romantic, but it it very clearly is. They buy engagement rings uh, for each other. Uh, There's a a scene where they're clearly about to kiss and it cuts away. Apparently some people interpret it as not being that. They're dead wrong. How can you not, though? You can't. You'd have to be nuts. But it's a it's a beautiful show, uh, regardless. And the animation and the music on any scene with ice skating is phenomenal. Uh, just like watch an ice skating scene from that show. It is 
are mind-blowing how good it is and some of the, the, the camera angles and stuff. And you wonder how they've even managed to, to animate it. Uh, and it's very incredible. So uh, it really is a masterclass on not only action animation in terms of the skating scenes, scoring in terms of the mm. music, but it is an A1 example of a true slice of life anime. That's a genre of anime that I find Western audiences don't traditionally get. You see an anime you're like, oh, it's about ice skating. Or you see an anime and it's, oh, it's about swimming. Or basketball. Mm. Or a wizard. But if it falls into the... Uh, I Where believe- is this basketball wizard at? <laughs> <For the> basketball... <laughs> From the people who brought you gay ice skating. It's basketball, <laughs> it's basketball wizard. <laughs> Stop derailing you my point. You shall not dunk. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. A wizard dunks precisely when he means to. <laughs> a wizard does neither a one-pointer or a three-pointer. He... <laughs> Dunks precisely when he means to. <laughs> oh no. Episode 11 of Co Pilots Dunk Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> oh no. Uh, we have our episode title. <laughs> um, <laughs> back to my point. <laughs> It is uh, a masterclass on slice of life anime. It's what Western audiences don't necessarily get when they see Dunk Wizards, is that it's not just about the thing. It's not just Mm. about basketball or swimming or ice skating. It's about the lives intertwining with the topic and the eccentricities and the intricacies and the ins and outs of all these relationships. And the slice of life genre typically does those relationships just to like the next level compared to any mm. other genre and that's what makes Yuri on Ice so delightful yeah and it's incredibly pleasant uh, there's never any point at which something really bad happens the story's not driven by uh, catastrophes it's you know you worry that he's gonna slip on the ice and ruin ruin things and that's you know as bad as the the tension gets there's never an evil bad guy who comes in and you know says you can't skate because of this it's just he's doing his best with the the encouragement and support of everyone around him Mm. and as a romance this is as good as it gets because every romance every rom-com every anything there's some kind of misunderstanding between the parties which causes there to be an argument or causes them to drift apart and that doesn't happen here it's just a realistic romance uh, realistically portrayed they never fight and yell at each other They, they care about each other a lot and you can really tell that. So that's that's me talking about Yuri on Ice in my my 2018 segment, which I'm pretty sure also isn't 2018. But Dragon Ball Super was. <laughs> uh, the, the tail end of Dragon Ball Super came in 2018. And the final arc of that show was a bit drawn out. Uh, the big uh, tournament, there were some uh, characters that you know were on stage for a bit much. There are some sta- characters that were on stage for not long enough. Uh, rest in peace, TN woefully underutilized ever since you beat down cell like 20 years ago uh but the very ending of of super and the the fight against uh the big bad and and goku's new form and teaming up with Frieza and all the music and all of that uh it it was a huge moment for dragon ball fans one of the biggest moments for me i have to admit was having Frieza back Mm. i just I, I was just so happy to see him in the mix. You know, the original big bad from Dragon Ball Z oh, yeah. from my childhood and sparingly using his gold form and just... He's just so well done. But it's just so well done the way they used him in Super. And it just it just really triggered my nostalgia. Oh yeah, and it's something that's so Dragon Ball because ever since the very beginning, uh, it's been almost uh, a Pokemon quest of catching enemies uh you start off with like a krillin was a bit uh, yamcha actually was like his first foe and he joins the team uh he fights bulma at the start and they're not friends and then she joins in uh krillin they were rivals and then they're friends uh tien was a uh, like the big bad guy at the time and he joins the fold uh, piccolo was the biggest 
baddest, evilest dude. Mm. Uh, and he eventually comes around. Uh, the androids join the team. Uh, Boo joins the team. So it's always been this thing of defeated foes uh, join the team and are brought into the fold by almost Goku's goodness and joy of fighting. And it's really cool to finally see that with Frieza without compromising Frieza's character. Yeah. But Frieza hasn't said, all right, I'm good now. I'm worried about the universe. He said, if we win this tournament, you get to bring me back to life and I will go back to being a space tyrant and you can fucking, you can fucking try and stop me. You know, bring it on. But uh, I'll, I'm coming back to life and the stakes in this fight are that I get to come back to life, not that I care. And there's, there are these great scenes between them uh, where you know how they feel about each other and that hasn't changed, but they have to team up. Uh, and when they do so willingly and you see them working together as a team, it's really, really cool. Is it would have crushed me if they compromised Frieza's character and if Frieza was mm. suddenly buddy buddy with them all. But they, it was just the it was Frieza's true essence yeah. through and through. Yeah, and when they're getting along, it's almost in a, a flirty way. It was actually um, a little a little camp. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, when Frieza is first kind of resurrected and uh, brought back. He punches Goku in the in the gut, and he's like, "Oops." My hand slipped. And then Goku punches him in the gut and says, I wonder what will slip next. Oh, Oh, yes. So good. (laughs) I need to go back and watch Mm. that, actually. Yeah. But yeah, anime. Better than TV, it turns out. (laughs) I've been making that argument for years and years (laughs) and years. But, bringing me conveniently to my next point... There was one thing that happened on TV that, well, American TV, that got my attention, brought the comic book nerd in me out mm. to the surface as this podcast often does. And the DC TV universe, right? Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, all that. Legends of Tomorrow is where superheroes go to die. And Arrow has been dreadful, absolutely mm. horrible. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a good while. (laughs) You're not missing a thing. But the annual crossover, they did essentially the setup for the Elseworlds storyline. So again, multiversal stuff. What the hell's with me and multiversal stuff? But they did something beautiful in that um, they did this weird thing where the Flash and Arrow swapped bodies and they woke up in each other's lives, blah, 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 but, you know, because plot device and because reasons. But what they did was in this quest to figure out what's going on, they go to see somebody rather important. Well, to a city that's rather important. They finally went to Gotham. <laughs> they finally went to Gotham. And it starts off with this fun little play between um, Oliver Queen, Barry Allen. It's, it's actually Oliver. That, when they say they're going to Gotham, it's Oliver that calls Batman bullshit. He's like, no, it's a myth made up by, by the <laughs> Gotham police. And Barry's going, nah, he exists. So they go there. And they go to Wayne Tower. There is no Batman. <laughs> but there is that woman. Uh, and they did the proper Miss Kane, Batwoman with the red hair. Gorgeous. It was done so very well. Her fighting style was Batman through and through. She had the grappling hook. She had the batarang. And it was dark as. It was super, super dark. But while it was nice to see that, it was all the little head nods through this crossover that really got me, man. You go into Arkham Asylum. Victor Freeze's wife is there and she's trying to put together his freeze ray during this riot. And she actually uses the freeze ray. When you're walking, well not you, sorry, when the camera is panning up the hallway, you start seeing names on on a lot of the doors. And there was uh, there was, you know, Oswald Coppelpot, which is the penguin. Mm. Um, one that I didn't clue on to was um, Pamela Isley, which is actually pa- yes. which is yes. Poison Ivy. The one that really got me was Edward Nigma, the Riddler. Yep. Yep. I was so happy to see that. I didn't know Clayface, who is Basil Carlo. Mm. Um, but just seeing their names on the doors was... Like it started the head nods. It started the world building. But then you go into like this storage unit where um, where Mr. Freeze's wife is trying to put together the gun. 
and on a mannequin head is Bane's mask. <laughs> but the proper, like, Tom Hardy Bane mask. Oh, not, not Not the Matador mask. The mm. proper Tom Hardy Bane mask. You know, there were so many of these of these little head nods throughout the whole thing. Like I said, you know, Nora Freeze. But then, just the way that the visual style as well was very much like the graphic novel. Well, graphic novels, plural. It's really, really fantastic. Again, world building and again, universe building. It's just been a year for nerds. It's been a year for geeks. Mm. It's just been a year for these more esoteric things or Batman is not that esoteric, but getting a Batman presence back into the DC universe, Batman presence in the DC universe on TV was very esoteric. It was very, very, very rarely nodded to apart from Oliver Queen making a Bruce Wayne joke in season three or four of mm. Arrow. It hasn't been alluded to. So, so to finally go there, it really paid off. And again, the child in me, the fanboy in me was over the moon. Yeah, that, that sounds absolutely incredible. I've always been... Uh, more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan, just because of kind of what I knew uh, growing up and what I'd seen, and kind of the uh, the DC cartoons had always been better, and that's kind of what I'd known uh, before Marvel kind of took over the the cinema space. So you know, all that stuff you've mentioned sounds incredible, and I love even when the writing is awful on on everything uh, IW does. Uh, the characters are always always really great. I love uh, Supergirl and. Uh, Stephen Amell as as Oliver Queen and the Flash and all of those characters. So seeing them come together mm. and just exploring deep cuts of DC sounds just like something great. And it takes me back to the old days of the crossovers as well. Uh, I don't know if you mm. were you into Buffy much back in the day. Sadly not. No. So there were always Buffy Angel crossovers, mm. and it brought me so much joy when like a character from one show just popped up in another. But this crossover event in the DC TV universe has become like an annual thing. They even actually make a joke. It's like, ha, huh, this is almost becoming an annual event. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic that they acknowledge it in the show. Mm. And you said earlier that it's, it became difficult to pirate. So I'm by no means recommending that you go pirate it on www.putlocker.com. <laughs> but uh, if you do decide to go stream it on Put Locker, which you shouldn't because it's illegal, mm. that it goes, uh, it goes Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, all episode nines of the current seasons. Well, there you go. And I'm glad we've told you that website so you can uh, blacklist it. Uh, on to uh, hour number two, uh, my personal uh, number one, which you've already brought up, uh, which is incredible. So clearly, uh, I love. Uh, we both love D and D. We've done four episodes of it on the on the show. I've only run uh, one kind of full campaign before, but my favourite thing about it was uh, Andy and uh, my other players in the game. Uh, and the way they interacted and the dumb things they did in the world that I'd never expected. Uh, all of my heartiest laughs have been at, at their shenanigans and never has that been better uh, in the world that I've enjoyed uh, creating and the characters I love creating and all those interactions than with uh, one particular character. <laughs> uh, my number one for the year is genuinely a Cassidy Butterbeard. Uh, and people may not know this, but technically I created the character. Uh, you you named her, but I had made the um, the, uh, the gameplay mechanics of her and uh, what she she was uh, as kind of a, a backstory thing uh, within our our game. And I had you jump in for like a, a prologue thing just to to be Cassidy before we jump back into kind of the regular game. But even though I had made her, you breathed life into into who and what was Cassidy Butterbeard and. Uh, created chatters and that whole element and i loved just everything that that you did as cassidy and even the voice i spend about one and a half to two times the length of any given episode of co-pilot's editing the D episodes take double triple that uh with the music and everything uh dice rolls the way recording DD works is a lot more to edit and it says a lot that there are some lines and things from cassidy that i've heard four or five times that i still cracked up at you know you would think that spending basically a whole day taking that much time out for for unpaid work for for this for basically a hobby would start to feel like a chore but the whole time i'm editing any of the episodes of a flying solo i had a smile on my face because just remembering the things you'd done other things you'd said uh, the way you interacted with my characters which gave me a chance to to put more life into them and make them more than 
cardboard cutouts with names in my head was really cool and the way you brought life to my worlds as you explored and things was just really incredible and she also works great as a symbol of co-pilots and what we've managed to do here and uh, what we've managed to edit and put together and upload and have our uh, meager audience enjoy and i'm fairly sure people have enjoyed it because we've lost like one viewer per episode of flying solo and that's kind of kind of it and if people weren't enjoying it you know we'd have like 30 listens for episode one and then like 10 for episode two and then it'd drop off but it only drops by like one per episode so uh it seems like people really enjoyed that even if they didn't i wouldn't care because it was so much fun to to put together and to edit uh and that is just how arrogant Andy is (laughs) that his own character would be number two on our communal list well no because my own character was going to be number one (laughs) because as soon as the because I I didn't Mm. imagine um, this podcast episode being a self-indulgent one Mm. Um, but when the voice slipped out earlier (laughs) it just it changed my list entirely and Mm. so I might as well piggyback on this you know because you put together these worlds right and but i have to say that as much as i enjoy this podcast concept all in all if all we did was D, mm. i would be so happy like and i love this oh, and yeah. i i enjoy it thoroughly and out of everybody that listens to this the most i've ever been messaged about Mm. was flying solo was the was the D aspect of what we've done here on on the do we call this a channel the, on the podcast you yeah. know it's been an absolute delight being able to bring together your world your this deeply rich world now you don't know this i haven't told you this so you're hearing it for the first time since uh we took a christmas break i've listened to it all again twice <laughs> <laughs> So when I was joking about you being self-indulgent... No, you're entirely correct. <laughs> <laughs> but not mm. necessarily for for Cassidy. And mm. I adore Cassidy. She mm. is... Because I had, I had this, um, this bit of a gripe with D&D in that we do the random roles and the generation and mm. uh, bring together... Uh, I can't even remember my last character's name, Thorin. Mm. Um and like, I, you just never be able to slip into the skin of them. Like, I try, mm. I try very hard, but you can never really bring them to life. But when you brought out that character sheet that day for Cassidy Butterbeard, and I got mm. to name her, and I got to slip into her skin and start developing, and I, I've never had this much fun playing a character, nor has a character felt this organic. Mm. And that's why, you know, not only Cassidy, but your D&D worlds are at the top of my list, because it's just like, out of all the memories this year, just imagining and painting the word picture and create and uh, creating this narrative with you and in your world, in your rich environment, I, it has to take the cake. Absolutely has mm. to take the cake. And it feels mean to our other friends who we've played with. <laughs> uh, I think that might have been our game might have encroached into this year. I can't remember if if our if our D and D game was this year, then that should probably be my number one because that was you know hands down the most fun I've had. Uh, but like all the moments have been like funny things our friends have said you know as themselves about the world or like when your character rolled three ones in a row (laughs) and we were all just having a a good laugh about it and and saying that your character must be just like broken down on the ground sobbing in tears (laughs) while you were in real life sobbing with with joy and and laughing that hard uh but Everything great about it had never come from their characters. It had just been us having fun kind of playing the game. It came from the peer group and our interpersonal Mm. interactions, not the characters themselves. So it's been almost a completely different thing from what those games have been to to what our game has been, where we have given ourselves a license to to go all in. And it's a thing of going outside of your comfort zone, playing a character and putting on a voice, even if you're with friends. Uh, And both of us being able to go all in on that has been absolutely delightful. Mm, mm. And going all in on that, you know, I I feel so good about the betrayal of of Cassidy and 
the narratives that you put together that like we've never uploaded a, an episode where I've gone oh god I really hope people like this one you know mm. oh, I really hope that, that people enjoy it and get a laugh and like I've always been supremely confident in this medium <laughs> he doesn't care you if know? you like it or not bitch pull your heads in but it's in for the, some of you out there know all of the different things that I do in the media space some of you don't and that's this isn't a podcast for that but suffice to say there's a few and all of those things, there's always something where you're like, oh, God, I don't know if I want to upload this. So the last episode was that for me, very much so. But with Flying Solo, never once has that thought occurred to me. I've actually itched for it to upload so I can listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and going back to that, I think I hate the sound of my own voice. I hate uh, listening to or watching anything I've done, which is odd for someone who so much enjoys making content. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, even if I was, like, on TV, I would skip the scenes I was in, probably. You know, I wouldn't really want to watch the stuff I was in, except for to see the other people I had worked with. And the only episodes I think I would be willing to go back and listen to uh, because of that would be the the Flying Solo stuff. Mm. Uh, because there's so much you bring to it, and I would probably have to skip my own <laughs> any narration segments. But I really enjoy what you've brought to, to the character and to those worlds and everything. And the same back to you, my man. Sorry to make this all nice and wholesome for you, dear listener. <laughs> we'll make it horrible and mean next time. <laughs> but um, I, I think that's a safe enough um, indication to anybody listening at home that we'll do a second arc. Yeah, no, I have, like, in my head and, like, in documents and stuff, like, planned through to, like, the end of, like, the storyline and, like, the twists and turns and the, the villain who's Oh, he's come back. What? It's that person? Even though that character hasn't even been introduced yet. Jesus. So you're like a good, if it were a book, a good four or five chapters ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm like to the end. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know. And, and it has to be vague because I don't know no. the choices that Cassidy will make. And there are always choices I throw in not knowing what you will do, which is always... You've got to stop saying what you will do, because I have to be honest, I'm not doing shit. It's Cassidy yeah. Butterbeer, and it's... Like, and, and it truly is. <laughs> uh, and I, I have no idea... Like, I could predict what you would do mm. if I put... If I made a and d campaign, and the character was... Andy. Andy Bennett. Yeah. Uh, I would be able to... To put in choices and know exactly what you would do. Lift the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I would be able to tell, you know, how you would interact with people. The, yeah. You know, you would always make the, the kind of choice, you know. Oh. You know, stuff like that. Whereas, I don't know morally what Cassidy will do. <laughs> uh, what she will do in social situations, all of that. And I don't know what story, the, which way the, the story will go. I could put in a choice where, you know, Cassidy could end up being evil and wanting to kill the big bad guy to take over as the big bad guy and I have no idea where it's going to go which means I can only plan kind of vague arcs and mm. not have any like recurring characters because they could end up killed or something or they could end up you know this person's meant to be the mentor character but maybe they end up hating you or you know so things can go so many crazy ways but that's what makes it so interesting and exciting as a story and You've that's got- why I've not you know written it as a book You've got to have a really just a, more of a general framework with right. It's yeah. kind of like a choose your own adventure with less words. Right, right. So instead of being like, this is what happens next. It's uh, after this uh, general place. So like after the the flood arc, you know, next we'll be going to this town where there's this place and these characters are there. I don't know what they'll do, uh, except for like you know what their starting positions are. You know, it's like Truman Show. You know, they yeah. have their starting positions and they'll walk out, but once they hit you there's no script and like oh yeah this will be like the detective one there's a mystery to solve i don't know if you'll actually solve it i don't know what the ending is Uh, at best i can have like a good ending plan Mm. where if you do everything quotations if you do everything right it might end up this way and i can have Mm. ideas and i i had that kind of thing with uh, the flood one and it just ends up being like i'll take elements from how i thought it could have gone in in different ways yeah Uh, and that's what makes it uh, so much fun uh, to write as kind of a, a crafting the game and crafting the, the story and stuff. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope we can manage to to get all the way through because there are, you know, hours and hours and hours of audio content worth of <laughs> general plan. Flying Solo Season 2 and mm. 3 confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that is our our number one uh, yeah. thing is the confirmation of more more flying solo. So thanks for listening. It's been a good list. <laughs> it's been a great wind up to that point. <laughs> uh, so that is that is my my genuinely my number one of the year. And yeah, I'm on the same page as you, my man. Well, so get your, get your own. You know. No, no, no. That's my, pull your head in. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think we've talked enough about ourselves and how wonderful we are. So on to your personal number one for 2018 to close us out. Oh Jesus, I'm gonna have to make something up on the spot because, <laughs> like, again, like when I came up with Cassidy's voice mm. earlier, I was like, oh no, that's my number one, 100. Mm. percent The only thing that I actually had on my list, and again, I don't feel like I have license to freaking talk about it, is the uh, My Hero Academia, just the character develop in mm. season three, which occurred this year. You know, going back down the anime rabbit hole for one last time, the passing of the torch. From now, mm. spoiler alert! Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers! If you haven't watched it, if you plan to watch it, just like turn this off. Come listen to it again in like you'll probably get through it in a week. So yeah. listen to it again in a week. But the passing of the torch from All Might to Deku, Deku developing his own style, reaching the mm. next iteration of not only his powers but his fighting style and his resolve as a hero. It's just been. Like, I I haven't watched a single episode of it apart from the pool training summer filler that didn't make me cry. There's, Mm. like, the manliest of tears, I swear to God. But it's just touching. It's just touching seeing, like, Deku come into his own. And Because I've said this from the very start, that there's something about his character that I relate to so deeply. Mm. I don't know what it is. Uh, You know, the fact that he... You know, started off as very much nothing. I like. I, I don't mm. know why it resonates with me so much, but he just every time he's on the screen, it just touches me. Like, no mm. uh, phrasing, but <laughs> like when you see Deku sitting in front of the TV in an All Might onesie, waiting for things oh, yeah. to come on about All Might. That's me for My Hero Academia. <laughs> <laughs> So the character development in season three, because I thought this was just going to be geekdom and and viewing everything, yeah. and I suppose our podcast is geekdom, uh, but in terms of merely because we are, <laughs> merely because we are, but in terms of all the content I've consumed this year, season three of My Hero Academia, number one, hands down. And like I cried at every episode of Yuri on Ice, and that's like you know it's a it's a slice of life uh, romance thing, and it's about the characters, and there's not that action there. So to have that level of uh, emotional uh, strength in in a shonen anime that's that's really something and that's all I've got to say <laughs> uh, for the rest of for the rest of the year for the rest of the year no more we are we are yeah. finished uh, well I suppose thank you to everybody that has listened to our podcast this year yes and uh, thank you yeah uh, year one of of co-pilots coming to a close uh, all of our consistent uploads uh <laughs> unfortunately are going to have to come to a break for uh, about a month but we'll be back we'll be in a a living situation and kind of a a working situation where we'll be able to hopefully uh, be a lot more consistent so we'll be back with hopefully some some new gear and uh software hardware uh music and stuff for a a fresh sound for 2019 when we start uh year two of co-pilots whenever we do that but for now, thank you for listening and all your your support with year one. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>